Is Virgil Abloh the most influential sneaker designer of all time? We'll discuss this week on Fire Footwear. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Fire Footwear. As always, I am your host, Matt Freights, or Matty Ice, as I am known in the sneaker world and in the podcasting world. I thank you for tuning in. I hope that this finds you well. I hope that this finds you safe. And I hope that you are excited for another fire week of content here on this show. Before I get started, though, I just want to thank everybody who has tuned in throughout the month of November. The month of November was probably one of the most successful months of podcasting I have ever had. And it's all because of you. You who have tuned into this show, who have hit follow on either Spotify, Apple, or wherever it is that you listen and continue to tune in and basically allow me into your headspace and allow me into your living rooms to kind of talk something that we all love, and that's sneakers. Last week, I briefly discussed the idea of authenticity in sneakers and how important it was. It's really paramount in today's society, whether you're a reseller, a wearer, or a collector. If you're going to put real hard-earned money and cash toward these sneakers, you want to know 100% unequivocally that you are getting 100% verified authentic. And as we know, it's not easy to find that status. And honestly, to achieve and verify fully authentic sneakers, it's hard. But the work that people are doing to ensure the peace of mind for you and all the sneakerheads out there is truly invaluable. A part of authenticity isn't just in sneakers though. It applies to all of life. And last week I kind of talked about that a little bit. And I said that being genuine, being authentic is something that is very, very important to me. And it's hard to find people that are always that way. Sometimes we're authentic and we're our genuine selves. We are seen as brash. We're seen as blunt when really we are just confident in who we are. Someone who seemed to be always their authentic self in the public eye to me was Virgil Abloh. Now, last week I teased that I was going to talk about concepts and the orange lobsters and maybe that legacy. But then as I started to think about it, it dawned on me that I had missed the anniversary of Virgil Abloh's passing in last week's episode. He died a year ago last week in November. It was around Thanksgiving. I remember actually going to see a movie with my in-laws. I think it was one of the Marvel movies coming out turning on my phone, checking it, and seeing the news that Virgil Abloh had passed away. He passed away a year ago last week, but honestly, I think that his legacy continues to be a focal point of sneaker culture, even though that he is no longer with us. And what do I mean by that? Legacy in sneakers really has a lot to do with the lasting impression that you leave. But Virgil Abloh's path to sneaker fame really came through a love of design and a love of creativity. He didn't start out thinking that he was going to be a sneaker designer. His education in civil engineering and architecture were really the catalyst for his journey into fashion. And you might think to yourself, how is that? But if you think about civil engineering, creation of buildings, architecture, the design of those buildings, it's not really dissimilar from designing anything else. And whether that's fashion, sneakers, or buildings, you have the same eye and the same creative juices that flow that get you to the final product of what is in your head and what you want out in a public space in terms of creativity. To me, Virgil Abloh was a pioneer in the fashion world and really a pioneer in a lot of different ways too. You could see him as a pioneer and somebody to look up to in social justice matters and so forth, but he was the creator of Off-White. And we know that Off-White now is a very, very high luxury brand and they have done tons of work in collaboration in the sneaker world to this point. He really was a pioneer. A lot of people saw him as one of the best creative minds of our generation, a genius, 
and somebody who, when he put his hands on something and his mind and his passion into something, it turned into gold. And really in the late 2010s, high fashion influences were embraced by sneakers. And that's where somebody like him came along. Prior to that, we did see a guy like Kanye who did work for Louis Vuitton and who did have an eye for fashion. And we had obviously seen some other collaborators come up, a lot of rappers and stuff like that. But up until 2017, in my view, high fashion and sneakers really hadn't had that many crossovers that were something that could touch the rest of us. And I mean the rest of us as people who could actually afford this. Virgil really became a sneaker design icon when his The 10 series debuted in 2017. The 10 was deconstructed designs of popular Nike silhouettes, and we're talking about Jordan 1s, the Air Max 90s, Nike Blazers, Prestos, and many others. It was a huge hit, and it still is a hit today to the point that if you wanted to actually buy a sneaker from all of those collections, it'd be like thirty dollars or $40,000 or something like that. And it has since inspired so many other Nike and Off-White releases. And it's been, what, almost six years since that came out? So you can imagine, with how many sneakers we release and how many sneakers we try to buy on a yearly basis, you can only imagine how much Off-White and Nike tried to double down on that vision. And it wasn't Virgil wanting to double down on the vision to make a bunch of money. Obviously, he stood to make a bunch of money, but it was really about creativity. And sneaker hype, to me, it's always a prisoner of the moment, isn't it? I feel like whenever there's a sneaker coming out, we're always fixated on it. When we're looking at the calendar, if it's something we're looking forward to, let's take what I mentioned last week, the Orange Lobsters from Concepts. It was debuting on December 2nd, and that was really like the special packaging. And if you remember, the Blue Lobsters had the special packaging. The Red Lobsters came in a lobster trap, and this was a little bit different. This was definitely more toward the high fashion end with art and a bare brick and these shoes. $350, and it was obviously a very, very special package. So you really had to have some sort of feels about this shoe if you wanted it. But sneaker culture in general was hyped about it because it was the sneaker of the moment. Sneakerheads and resellers are always focused on the next release. So once these came out, we're on to the next release. No matter how great the shoe is, we're always focused on the next one. And maybe that's because we lose out on a lot of them. But really, I think it is just being a prisoner of the moment. We're always looking to the next best thing instead of necessarily going back and appreciating. Some shoes and designs, though, they stand the test of time. To me, what Virgil Abloh has done for sneakers and honestly just in his life and his 41 years on this earth, I do think that he will stand the test of time. And even in the year since it has been since he's left this earth, his legacy has continued to grow. And maybe it hasn't grown in sneakers and maybe it hasn't grown in a tangible way to which you, the regular consumer, says, oh yeah, I can totally see that. But more off-white releases have come out with Nike since then, and there was a little bit of a lull period while we kind of processed his death and his family needed to decide what they wanted to do. Remember, when somebody passes away, they leave behind a legacy, but they also leave behind people who miss them. A wife, children, a family, friends. His wife recently did an interview in the New York Times talking about the last year of her life and how for a very, very long time it was difficult to process it. But so many people came up to her and talked to her about how great of friends they were with Virgil, how Virgil was their best friend, and they wanted to do so many things with his legacy. And it was a train that she said was moving 500 miles an hour and she had to stay in front of it. And what is that included? Air Force One mids, the Louis Vuitton Air Force One collection, the Blazer Lows, all of these collaborations that have come out, the Nike Dunks. So many of those things have come out. Sneakerheads have gobbled them up, even though whenever these designs come out, I find this interesting. I'm sure you found yourself caught up in this. I know that I have. A lot of times when a shoe comes out, I don't necessarily appreciate it for what it is the second I see it in a picture. And I think a lot of the off-white stuff since the 10, everybody has tried to compare it to that. 
In music, you see this a lot. In music, you see when a group gets really, really popular, a lot of people want them to continue down the same artistic path. I always use Linkin Park as this example. I loved the first two albums of Linkin Park. They were one of my favorite bands of all time. And the stuff that they came out with later and later was taking more and more risks. They were expanding their musical catalog, expanding their creativity. And if you're going to continue to evolve, that's how you do it. It's very difficult to stay the same, to be stagnant, and to grow at the same time. And I think musicians, creatives, no matter where it is that you are creative or how it is that you are creative, what medium, you have to evolve and you have to grow. You can perfect a craft, but then you wanna learn something new. And so while a lot of people want a lot of the same silhouettes, the Jordan 1s, any of those Air Jordans, and those are all great, don't get me wrong, but for Virgil creatively and for Off-White creatively, that really wasn't what he wanted to do. It wasn't in the plan for him to find something that stuck and just continue down that path. Take the Air Jordan 5 collaborations with Off-White, for example. There were two of them, and they were designed after very old-school Jordan 5, some of the OG colorways. But that's not necessarily the inspiration for why he created them. He created them because they were the first Air Jordans he had ever purchased. And so there was a nostalgic factor there, something that hit him in the feels. He had emotions about it. And so from a creativity standpoint, a lot of these collaborations that he has done that have come out posthumously since he has passed away, they probably meant something to him. And he wanted to put his creative stamp on the brand and on the silhouette that mattered to him. And yes, maybe sneaker culture as a whole doesn't want to see them because we are oversaturated with a lot of silhouettes that everybody continues to gobble up. But the thing is, his ascension was not really part of any plan. When Virgil Abloh was a young man in college, I don't think that he thought of himself as a designer of fashion. And really what it came down to was finding a passion, getting involved in that passion, and getting his hands and his creativity on as many things as possible. It really went beyond any medium. It was about genuine creativity and a sense of purpose. And his wife did talk about that in the interview as well, that he had so many things, being a DJ, wanting to get involved in art, creating art, art festivals, things like that. That's why a lot of his sneakers are seen in museums, museums of art. I mean, all the MoMA releases that we have had, those are things that have been in museums of art because in his mind, while it is a sneaker that consumers want to purchase and people want to have to say that they have it because they love it, in the end, it was an artistic avenue for him. And the creativity is still on display now at the Codes exhibit in architecture in Miami. That's how his legacy is living on, showcasing unseen samples of his work, being able to allow the masses, people who can, who can appreciate creativity to go out and see them. You don't have to be a sneaker lover to look at something that's artistic and know that it's artistic, to know that it's objectively great. When I look at a lot of sneakers, I think to myself, wow, that is a genuine piece of art. And many of those sneakers are things that I necessarily can't wear. Much of the off-white stuff that he has been behind the design of, I can't wear. There's something about it that just is too much for me. And that's why I like a lot of the very, very simple off-white stuff. But I can appreciate it as an artistic piece. I can appreciate what he put into it. Let's take the Nike Dunks, the 1 through 50s that came out recently. I remember when they first came out, I looked at them, and this is again an example of what I talked about earlier, and thought, I don't get it. But then I did get it. There was one or two really, really special ones, and the other 48 was a crapshoot. If you really cared about Virgil, if you really cared about the off-white vision, then you were gonna go after it, and whatever one you got, you were going to love. And then when I thought about it from his creative mind, when I thought about his vision and his purpose for creating sneakers and designing sneakers, I really understood 
that this is like somebody being in their garage who's trying to design something for the first time. The whole DIY phase of literally everything in this world, it comes down to sometimes it's going to look amateur. The first ever podcast episode that I put out sounds completely amateur. It does not sound like it does today. I've learned that over time. I've learned about how to hone my craft. And it's the same thing for anybody who's trying to create anything. The first thing that you create isn't always solid gold. Even bands that hit it right on the first album, it doesn't necessarily mean that they go into the studio and all of a sudden, boom, they get 10 tracks, they have a Grammy winning album and that's it. They're just done. They got the formula. They have been grinding, creating, testing for like a decade, sometimes longer. Sometimes people take longer to get found. And I think Virgil, his creativity, his passion for that, he wanted to share that with the world. And Sneakers was just one avenue to do that. My question to you, though, is in 20 years, will Virgil's presence still be felt in the sneaker community? There are a lot of people nowadays who put their own personal stamp on designing sneakers, from rappers to celebrities to politicians to fashion designers, even just boutiques in general. People who own stores who are embedded in sneaker culture, who own a store that has been embedded in the culture for 30 years, like Union. Those people will continue to be remembered, but will they have the same presence in 30, 40 years? I don't know. Will Travis Scott be remembered in 20 years? He may be remembered as a rapper. He may be remembered as something else. But I really don't think that the sneaker community is going to look back on Travis Scott's influence and his designs and think, wow, I now see the vision. Travis Scott's to me felt more like a monetary endeavor. Maybe that's not fair to Travis Scott. Maybe that's not what he is thinking. He is somebody who has a lot of influence. When he wears something, people want to go wear it. He has revived a lot of the old school dunks just because he wears them. But Virgil, his vision, his creativity, and what he has given to sneaker culture and just beyond sneaker culture, to me, that has a much more lasting effect. And it made me think about my legacy. It made me think about what I wanted my legacy to be. I'm going to be 40 years old in February. I have a young son. What do I want him to remember me as? And what do you want your legacy to be? How do you want to be remembered? I think a lot of times we generally tend to not tell people how we feel about them until it is either too late or very, very close to being too late. And I think a lot of people didn't appreciate everything that Virgil did for sneaker culture until it was too late. The last year has given us time to ruminate on it, given us time to think about it. And maybe, yes, every single release that comes out from Off-White and Nike isn't a hit. It isn't the Jordan 1 Chicago. It isn't anything from the 10 series, but it comes from his heart. And now his family is continuing to lead that legacy. His wife is taking charge of it and they're just getting started. And so I think Virgil and his soul, his spirit and his creativity will be around for a very, very long time. If you want to get in touch with the show, Instagram, the handle is at firefootwearpod. If you want to get in touch with me personally on Twitter, it is at Freights. That's the handle there. Please email any questions or comments to firefootwearpod at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you and answers to some of the questions that we have in these episodes. Please support the Maddie Ice Media Network by going to www.maddieicemedia.com. Check out the other podcasts that we have as a part of our network. 2023 hopefully will be a great year and we can bring you more content that maybe crosses some boundaries between sneakers and other things. And if you are listening on Spotify or Apple, please hit that follow button. Please hit that rate button. Give us some stars. Those are what keeps us popping on the charts and continuing to grow. I want to thank everybody for tuning in this week as you have been the last month. And ever since we brought the show back, it means a lot to me. I hope that this finds you safe and I will talk to you all next week. This is Fire Footwear.
the opinions and viewpoints expressed on Fire Footwear are those of Matt Freights and his guests and not necessarily those of the Matty Ice Media Network. Fire Footwear is exclusively owned by Matt Freights and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.